place of seeking God, I, I have an idea of where I want to go as far as the next book series that we're going to teach as far as the Word of God, but I want to still just to take a little, a few Sundays, take a little time to kind of level set some things in our church and in, in our hearts, if the Lord would allow me to do so. Amen. Be used of God to talk to you about worship this morning. Amen. I'm still in that place, and I think that's just kind of where we are. I can sense that that's where we are. Amen. It's good to worship the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's uh, go to Mark, the 12th chapter, verses 30 through 31. Mark 12, 30, 31. Amen. When you have it, say amen. Amen. The word of God reads, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. Amen. 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 You praying with me this morning? Amen. The sermon title is Made to Worship. Made to Worship. Amen. Amen. Somebody's already getting the revelation. Amen. There are a few of us here this morning. I know it's the memorial holiday, but I am grateful to be with the church family this morning in the house of God. Amen. 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 No judgment for those who did not show up. They have their reasons. Um, but the, t- the truth is, is that um, I'm getting a revelation of, of what we are here to do. Amen. And we, we should find ourselves, uh, at least on the Lord's day, uh, you know, serving the Lord and putting nothing before him. Amen. Worshiping him. Amen. I want to start off by saying I married a rather creative girl. My wife is creative. She loves arts. She loves arts and crafts. She's a teacher. Um, she's not too impressed nowadays with expensive things. Back in the day, uh, I used to try to buy her all kinds of stuff, and now you can barely get her anything because she's very creative. Um, She wants to be a part of the process. She wants to do something with what you give her. (laughs) So we have all kind of furniture in our house, um, and a lot of it comes from Ikea. And some time ago, my wife introduced me to what's called Ikea hacks. I don't know if some people understand what that is, but an Ikea hack, it's, it's something where you take the furniture uh, from Ikea and you use it for something else. Uh, it's where you hack the furniture. <laughs> You repurpose it. You, in other words, you take a bookshelf 
and you make some adjustments. You take some things out of it and you put some other things in it and around it. And, and before you know it, what you have is no longer a bookshelf. Now you have a brand new uh, storage container or pantry, right? Or you take that same bookshelf and you flip it on its side and you get a uh, 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 tabletop and you find some kind of way to fasten the tabletop to the bookshelf that's now on the side. Then you get two smaller uh, pieces of wood for, or skinny pieces of wood for the legs, and you, and before you know it, have you flipped it, you put tabletop on, you got the legs, now you got a new desk. <laughs> it's called an Ikea hack, okay? And college students like uh, Ikea hacks because it's cheap. It barely costs you anything. You can make something uh, or take something that was originally created to be used for one purpose and then hack it and then use it for a completely different purpose. Some people assemble in the church for what I would call life hacks. Where we believe that our purpose for coming to church is to hear from the preacher's sermon and get clues from the preacher's sermon how to get what we want from God so we can have a more comfortable life. Uh, since we are unaware of our real purpose, we come and listen for clues and as to how God has originally made us an original purpose, and we hack that purpose so we can then live for a completely different purpose. And we don't only do this in church, we actually do this in life. Living for a completely different reason and a completely different purpose than what we were actually created for. Hmm. Amen. Listen to this truth that will never, ever change. Are you ready? God cannot be manipulated. Number two, our purpose for life is set by God and it can never be adjusted. We are here not just in this church building, but on this planet to worship the one true God and to give God what he truly deserves. Amen? Amen. Talking about made to worship. Here's the issue. The real issue this morning, people, is all of life's problems really stem from us not knowing or fulfilling our original purpose. Think about it. Long ago, Adam and Eve decided to go against what God created for them to do. And now all we have is a bunch of folks who have life hack thinking deeply embedded into everything we do and deeply embedded into the motive for why we do what we do. When you don't do what you're created to do, there are all kinds of things that go wrong. <laughs> there are all kinds of problems, all kinds of issues. The problem with this world that we are living in is that God created us and we have decided not to live in the way that he's intended and we can't do that until we lock into what he's actually created us for. 
Every week we turn on the news and there's some new level of trauma that we have to walk through. Some horrific event that proves that things are not the way that they are supposed to be. The world is in trouble. America is in trouble. You and I are in trouble. Other countries are in trouble. This world is falling apart. Can you feel it? You turn on the TV, it's like, oh, no, they did what? They shot who? They killed what? It's crazy. But this is not a new problem. It's an old one. It started long ago, as I said, with Adam and Eve, when they chose to love what they wanted instead of choosing to love God. Mm. Yesterday, I was reading through the book of Amos. It took some time just, you know, I'm going through the Old Testament and just, you know, I'm just in a place where I'm just reading the Bible and just, I'm just soaking it up. I'm just, I can't put it down. Just, that's just where I'm at right now. And I thank God for that because I know that's the Holy Spirit. But I'm in a place where I'm just reading through the scriptures. I'm searching for God. I'm searching for knowledge. I'm, I'm just enjoying the time in the word. And Amos is an interesting book because Amos is just all bad. <laughs> it's just, it's all about curses. God is just passing out curses, curse after curse after curse after curse, curses to people that don't belong to him, curses to people that do belong to him. Everybody's just getting cursed. That's the whole book. (laughs) He's got a little nice something at the very end, but for the most part, all of Amos is just, I'm cursing everybody. The reason is, is because people are living in a violent way. They're unfair injustice. Uh, there's sexual immorality. And then there's something interesting. Something I read in, right in the middle. It says uh, his people, God's chosen people, were living in luxury. Living sinful lives, sinful, luxurious lives, but religiously going to the temple on a regular basis and performing worship to God. So they have these janky, upscale lives. And they're going to the temple to perform worship unto God. And then God says this, Amos 5 and 23. New King James Version. He says, take thou away from me the noise of thy songs. For I will not hear the melody of thy vows. This instrument is kind of like a harped, stringed-like instrument. It has the ability to stir up the emotions. People were at the temple, and they were hearing the music coming from the VOs, or however you pronounce that. (laughs) And, you know, these these stringed, almost like violin type of instruments. And the people were like, ooh, ah. And they're in the temple, and they come in, and they go, ooh, ah. You know, they, they, were, they were like in churches today when we hear the Hammond organ. You know, certain churches. I'm not going to say what kind of church. <laughs> but we come in, and we hear that, and we go, ooh, ah. It's time to have church now. Why? Wow, you hear that? <laughs> They came in looking for a way to get something from God. 
And then they would go home and do the same thing next week. And nothing would change. Why? Because worship was turned into nothing but a formula and a feeling. Woo! This is what we do, and this is how I feel. And as long as I do my formula and I feel a certain, ooh, ah, then I can go home and I've had worship. Wow. It was a formula and a feeling that didn't do anything to change our selfishness. It changed nothing. Furthermore, they were mixing it up, and they were having this heartless religious ceremony at the temple and then going and bowing down to these other false gods to get something from them. So life was really never really about God at all. Are you hearing me? It was about me getting something, me having something, and me feeling something. (laughs) Worship is not a formula, people. Worship is really all about love. Listen carefully again to our text scripture. Mark, the 12th chapter, 30 and 31. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. And let me emphasize it. And love the Lord thy God with all thy soul. You see it? And love the Lord thy God with all thy mind. And love the Lord thy God with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. This is what God commands us to do. This is what God desires from his creation. Real worship, saints, starts with love. It's all about love. You hear me? This cannot be stuffed into some kind of program or some kind of heartless formula. This goes far beyond any ceremony on a Sunday event. Amen? This is much, much more. So when we say we are worshiping God, is this what it looks like? Are we loving God with all our heart, our soul, our mind? Are we losing strength on it? Are we, huh? Interesting. Are we anywhere near this level of love and adoration and reverence and attention and desire or sacrifice to and for God? Is this what our worship looks like? Are we even close to this? Do we even desire this? Is this the purpose for coming to church? Do we even believe that worship is the purpose for our very lives? Or is it all about, let me come here and figure out how I can get the latest life hack. Make some adjustments so I can get what I need from God. Are you hearing me? Now, God has already determined in eternity past to give us his very best. He decided this a long time ago. Before we even came on the scene, before we were even On the planet, before the foundation of the world, God had determined already to give his very best. He gave who? His precious son. To save us from what? Our sins. So that we would be made righteous in his eyes. So that we could have eternal life. So that we could be forgiven 
so we could be the sons and the daughters of God. Amen? He gave his very, very best. Now, God also expects from us our very, very best. Uh, When it comes to worship, we must not decide to give God our leftovers. You get married to a hardworking man. He's been out there working all day long, all week long, and he comes and sits down at the table. He's tired. This is the man you done prayed for. He sits down at the table, and you give him some leftover cheeseburger from McDonald's that you chewed on. Here, baby. I love you. You worked so hard for me. <laughs> What's wrong with that? There's no love in it. There's no sacrifice. It's, it's not a good representation of what he's done. Right? Right. This concept of giving the best to God is an old concept. It's not new. Abel gave his best sacrificial worship to God. And what did God do? God accepted it. On the other hand, Cain did not. He did not give his best. He did not give what God ordered. He did not give what God commanded. And God did not accept his worship. He did not accept his gift, possibly because it didn't cost Cain anything. Mm. His gift did not go along with how good God had been, how good God is. Amen? Fast forward to our time. We must worship God. But what's the spirit that we come in with? What's the spirit that we come to God with? How do we present our worship to God? Does it reflect appreciation for how good God really is? Uh. Or do we put our best worship on hold until we get from God what we want to get from him? Lord, you're going to put your worship on layaway until you catch up with what I think you ought to give me. Your worship is on hold. Hmm. I was walking through the mall one day, and my eye caught an old show that I used to watch years ago. I used to love this show. It was come on 10, 30, maybe 11 o'clock when I was a teenager, and I'd catch it. We'd be at Ed's house watching during the summer. Called The Price is Right. <laughs> and I was walking through the mall, because, you know, I could see the, the show, and I know the set, you know. So I caught it. I said, oh! They're playing the price of ice. So I put my little shopping bag down. I kind of looked around for a minute, looked at it, and watched the prices right. And the man was running down from the audience. <laughs> they called his name. And the man pretty much tore up the building. Just because they said, Walter Hawkins, come on down. And the man just ran and he can't even keep still. He hasn't won a dime yet. All he's doing is just acting like, ah! <laughs> and he's looking at the people in the audience, signaling to his family, I'm so happy to be here. He hasn't won anything. You've seen the show. You've seen it. You've seen how they act. Okay. He's happy. 
He's exuberant. He's loud. He's shouting at people. Amen? Just because they called his name. And he hasn't won anything yet. He's all but breakdancing and screaming and hollering just because someone said, come on down. Now, Jeopardy is a different show, isn't it right? You know? This is, this is a more dignified show. <laughs> These are the scholars. They don't act crazy. <laughs> but this one man, I'll never forget it. I was telling my wife a couple of days ago. This one man, he won a hundred and thousand, something over a hundred thousand dollars on the show. I mean, just, I mean, everything he did just went right. And he broke his composure. You know, for, you know, at first he was like, yes, and the answer is such, and can I have this for a thousand? He said, you know, real simple, you know, together kind of guy. But when he won that money, oh, he lost it. The confetti came out of the sky. People were screaming, hollering. He's on the floor sw- swimming in the confetti. Because he's won so much money. And I started to say to myself, you know, the truth is, is the church has won more than that. We got way more than a hundred grand. We've been giving Jesus. Am I right? Am I right? So how should we worship? I'm not saying, like I said last week, that you got to fall out on the floor and that it has to be some kind of representation. But I'm asking you one simple question. Whether you scream and holler, run down the street, whatever you do to give God praise, is it, is it your best? Is it your best worship? Is it coming from the heart? Or is it just, well, it's just another Sunday? The truth is, when we come together out of worship to God, whether we are getting something or not, we ought to be glad just because, we know, God called our name. He said, David, come on down. (laughs) Edna Duncan, come on down. Come on, somebody. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's what he said. Listen, people... We ought to be just just as excited as these people on these game shows because we've been given eternity. We've been given everlasting life. We've been given everything. Come on down because a whole lot of us could be in a whole different place this morning. Come on now. Let's be honest. There's some places we could be this morning that we should not be. There's some things we could have been doing this morning that we are no longer doing. And the only reason why we're doing it is because Jesus said, hey, come on down out of that. Come on out of that. That's not who you are. You belong to me. Come on down. So my question to you this morning is what kind of worship are you going to give God? Is he worthy or not? Now, that does not mean that you get to run all over the place. You may not even be able to run. All you might be able to do is sit there and rock. But is it your best worship? Is it your best praise? Has he been good or not? The truth of the matter is, is no matter whether you get something or not, whether you get what you expect or not, the truth is, is God is already good. He's already good. Amen. Colossians 1.16 says this. 
For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All these, all things were created by him. And here's the part I like. And for him. All things were created by Jesus and for Jesus. Are you hearing that, saints? Our whole purpose in life is to come to wherever we are, whether it's church or someplace else, we are to, especially here, we are to come to worship the Lord. Amen? It's okay. Amen. We are here to worship the Lord. My dad said it this way. I've been listening to some of his sermons, and he's, I've been kind of studying with Pops. You know, I got a whole catalog of, of things I can kind of listen to. And he said it this way. He said, um, my life's greatest purpose is to be offered up to God in adoration and gratitude. And then he said, I didn't say to offer up words. <laughs> he said to offer up myself. Ooh. Ooh. He said, I am the one that's supposed to be offered up to God. Amen? There's a difference. It's not just verbal speech. Amen. But you offer up your own life to God. Amen? And gratitude. By being a worshiper, a worshiper is not just what you say. It's who you are. Are you hearing me? Amen. I liken it to this. It's submitting your body as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Amen? It's the reasonable thing that you can do. We have reasons and excuses for holding worship. But Romans 12 and 1 says our worship is something that is reasonable. It's the reasonable thing to do. When you really think this thing through in a reasoning kind of way, it's the reasonable thing to do. If God is this good, then where's my worship? Are you hearing me? It's, uh, this is, it just makes sense. Saints, amen. It's reasonable for me to sacrifice. It's reasonable for me to press. It's reasonable for me to leave all that stuff behind and give God the glory that he's due. It's reasonable for me to do that. It's reasonable for me to pick up my cross and to follow Jesus and live holy. It's reasonable for me to do that. It's reasonable for me to obey God. It's reasonable for me to worship God. Isn't that what Jesus did? If Jesus is our example, what did he come here to do? Satan said, if you fall down and worship me, I'll give you all this. Jesus said, no, no, get behind me, Satan. Thou shalt worship God and God only. That's what he said. This is what we are to do. If Jesus is our example, then aren't we supposed to be following him? Amen? Now, here's the thing. Worship can't be accurately explained. W.E. Vines basically says that worship in the Bible cannot be totally defined by Scripture. John MacArthur says worship in the Bible is not specifically explained in the Scripture. You can't do it. You can't do it. Amen. The word codify means to arrange laws or rules in a systematic code. Amen? 
Worship is something that you cannot really systematize into some ritual because as soon as you do that, you take the heart out of it. And my dad said something rather interesting. He said, the reason why worship is kind of this vague, you know, it's got some, some instruction, but it's got some things where it's like you, you can't really put your fingers on it. You can't really, it's not tangible enough to where you can kind of say, I've locked it down to a science. My dad said, worship is not clearly defined in the Bible to protect us from making an empty ritual out of it. There's a reason why it's like that. Why? Because isn't that what the Jews did? That's what happened to the Jews in their worship. They be, it became rules and regulation and ceremony, and it was heartless. And God said, you know what? I hate it. Stop your singing. I don't even like that song. You're telling the truth, but your heart's not in it. You're singing words. I don't care how many Kimberrells you get and Karen Clarks you get to sing my song. If your heart's not in it, I can't do anything with that. that it's, so what? It, that, it sounds good to y'all, but God, could you imagine if Jesus was like able to be seen and he was just out there holding his ears during our service? Plugging his ears like, oh, what is that? And somebody off in the corner singing horribly is the one he's paying attention to. Isn't that interesting? Can't even hold a note. They're like, oh, they got it. They got it. Over there. The one in the corner, in the back. Not the one with the mic. Isn't that interesting? Huh? David, you were right on point point this morning. Here's the thing. You're asking the Holy Spirit for revelation. It takes revelation to worship God correctly. To accurately celebrate God, you're going to have to have God reveal himself. Whoa. We get that from studying the word of God. You read your Bible and you reread your Bible and you reread your Bible and you sit patiently until the Lord begins to reveal himself to you. If you're too busy to know God, you can't really worship God. Are you hearing me? The more you know about God, the more you will give yourself to God. It's a sacrificial offering. So it's not just words you say in a church. It's a life that you live. It's a heart that's towards God. Everything I'm doing, I'm going, I wonder how you feel about this. Are we okay? Are we good? I'm so glad I get to talk to you. I'm so glad I get to spend time with you. How do you want me to live for you today? What do you want me to say? What do you want, how do you want me to be? Are you hearing me? I'm living my life before God. He is a priority. Worship is not just, whoa. Worship might be, whoo. Are you hearing me? Are you seeing what I'm saying? Amen. And worship is not dependent on your circumstances. We worship God because he's good no matter what. Turn to Job. Turn to Job. Turn to Job. And I'm almost done. Job, the first chapter. I'm going to uh, switch translation just a bit so I can give you a good picture here. Job 1, 20 and 22. Job 1, the first chapter, verse 20 through 22. The word of God reads, Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and fell to the ground to worship. He said, I came 
naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. (sighs) Praise the name of the Lord. Verse 22. In all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. (sighs) That's heavy. That's heavy. Here's the thing. Here's the backstory. story, so just in case you don't know it. Most of us shouldn't know this, but here's the backstory. Just in case you don't know it, some of you online may have read this. Some of you online may not have read this, but here's the thing. Satan made it. He made a bet with God. He showed up to heaven doing what he does. He's the accuser of the brother. He's not wasting time on just little itty-bitty me and you's. What he's doing is he's giving a report to God about how horrible we are. Okay? All right. So he's up there in heaven. He shows up with the sons of God. And he says that the reason that Job is so faithful to you, God, because God pointed Job out and put him on blast, said, if you consider my servant Job, he said, the reason why Job is so faithful is because you got this protective hedge around him. You bless Job's socks off. Of course he likes you, God. <laughs> He's obedient because of all the blessings that Job has had, right? And then he says this. I'll tell you what, though. Satan says, if Job didn't have this stuff and all these people that you blessed him with, he would curse you to your face, God. That's what he said. Mike, Mama Shirley? So, here's the shocking thing. God gave Satan permission to take everything from Job. I mean everything. He lost everything. I don't even think his dog survived. Amen? And not only that, he took everything from Job within minutes. Are you, you remember the story? Even his children were killed. Wow. And after all of that, Job's first response was to worship God. Satan lost the bet and had to come back with a new strategy because he thought he was dealing with a regular man and did not realize he was dealing with a worshiper. There's a difference. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? God knew what was in his child. Are you hearing me? How did this happen? Job had a revelation of his real purpose. It was not to collect a bunch of stuff and to collect a bunch of people. His relationship with God was not built on life hacks and how to get more stuff and hold on to the stuff that he had. He didn't have anything when he got here. And he said, I ain't going to have anything when I leave here. This purpose of having things could not be the basis of Job's relationship with God. It wasn't based on any of that. Job's purpose was worship people. It had to be. That's the only way you can have that kind of response. Nothing else makes sense. Notice that Job did tear his robe. Job was hurting. Job was human. Job was grieving a loss. And it's okay to grieve. It's okay to take some time when you're hurting. 
It's okay to have a moment where you have to cope with the decisions that God has allowed. Right? It's okay to, after that, then pray for a better day and hope for a better tomorrow. It's okay to grieve. But here's the thing. After we've made our request to God, and after we've had our time to grieve, we cannot stay there, people. Because here's the truth. Here's the very mature truth that I am dealing with right now in my life. I am walking through this as I speak. That even in my losses, God is still good. That's just the truth. God is still worthy of praise. My circumstances do not change whether or not I have to worship God, whether or not I must worship God, whether I get the privilege to worship God. That does not change it. God is still good even though this happened. God is still good even though that happened. God is still good even though they did you in. God is still good even though you missed that opportunity. God is still good even though they talked about you. God is still good even though they abused you. Huh? God is still good even though mommy and daddy dropped you. God is still good even though you ain't got no money in your pocket. God is still good even though you don't know how you're going to eat tomorrow. God is still good no matter what. No matter what, God is still good. God is still good. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Even though this happened, and even though that happened, the principle we must learn is that in order to get past what happened and not be stuck in what happened, we have to get back to doing what we were created to do. And what is that? Worship God. Worship God. Worship God. If you don't want to be stuck and you're in need of a reminder, huh, as to why you're here, think about your original purpose. Amen? Don't get stuck in the sin of blaming God. I love the way they put that. Because that's what we tend to do. This happened on your watch, God. What were you doing, sleeping? How'd this happen to me? Why did you allow this? Here's the thing. In God's way of doing things, he is so complex and so all-knowing and able to calculate everything from the beginning of time to when he decides it ends. It is unfathomable for me to think that I know how to tell God what he's doing. I don't know whether, I told you before, in God's way of doing things, in my backwards having flesh, I have no idea whether or not I'm having a good day or not. <laughs> Think about it. How was your day, Jamie? Oh, it was awful. This happened and that happened and this happened and that happened. And God is sitting up there in heaven rejoicing with the angels. I'm so glad I did that to you. <laughs> you have no idea how good I was to you today. See, and of course I don't know. With my little finite mind, I don't know. <laughs> I don't have God's calculator. I can't figure that out. But the truth is, is God knows better. So there's only one real response, and that's hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You are good. Yes, you are, Lord. Yes, you are. Somebody asked me a couple weeks ago, I think it was last week, I'm, I'm stuck, Pastor. I'm stuck. I don't know how to get unstuck. And as they were talking, I was just now 
not just learning, because I've heard these things before, but just now, you know how you can hear something and it's not really in you just yet? You know, you, gotta, you had to work it out. You had to work it out. I was, I'm telling them, I'm, I'm just now learning how to apply what I know, what I've heard for years. And that is, and this may seem cliche to a lot of people, but I'm actually starting to see that this is really true. Your praise and your worship is actually a weapon. I know you hear a lot of preachers that, you know, can really, really preach and say that stuff. I'm not really one of those kind of guys. I, you know, I, I teach, you know, but, you know, but it really is a weapon. It's how to move you out of whatever the devil wants you stuck in. Ooh, there it is. It's how to, re, it's, the devil has you like this, and, and, and you're stuck in what happened. And God said, if you just praise, if you just worship, you're going to free yourself from the trap that the enemy set for you. You move out of whatever you were in into, oh, okay, I'm free. Why? Because I'm doing what I was called to do. I'm doing what I was created to do. Are you hearing me? Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Oh, there we go. Hallelujah. So free yourself this week. Here's the application. When it comes, see, when Job was going through, when the first thing didn't work, taking all the stuff, then the Lord allowed Satan to, to, to mess with his body and, and mess with his health. And so he's sitting there looking pitiful. He's terrible. He's, he's lost everything and he's feeling bad. And here, here we go. To add fuel to the fire, Satan decides to have his, vi- his friends visit him. His buddies come over. And they don't encourage him to worship. They're not ushering him into praise. They're ushering him into complaining. If you read the story, read through it. Take your Bible and read it. Read through it. Okay? And what you'll see here is, you know, they got all these formulas and reasons why. And his wife gets so frustrated. Bless her heart because she's going through too. She's lost in things too. She's grieving too. She said, why don't you just curse God and die? And Job says, shall we accept good things from God? Ooh, the Holy Spirit. Shall we accept good things from God and not bad things? He's got a revelation. He's like, in in spite of what I'm dealing with, this is what I'm here to do. And that whole time, it's that worship, it's that resolve, it's that that revelation of who God is and what he is and, and, and who we are and what we're supposed to do and why we're here. It's keeping him from losing his mind. Are you seeing it? Are you seeing it? This is, I'm not just preaching to you, I'm preaching to me. So here we go. This week, free yourself. And then when we come back next week, I want you to have this scripture in your mind. Psalm 8410. Psalm 84.10. It says, For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in a tent of wickedness. Are you hearing that? Where are the courts? Where are the gates? My daddy said, enter his gates with thanksgiving. (laughs) And enter his courts with praise. Huh? You can go right into worship wherever you are. Wherever you are. And free yourself. Free yourself. Amen? You, you, You hear me? You hear me? 
Amen. We are made to worship. I'm done. I'm done.